Hey everybody, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development. I'm delighted to have as our guest today, Lyra Kay, who is the founder of the School of Inspired Life. Hi. Hello there. I'm very, very excited to share with you um, what I know about, you know, finding yourself in this new place that we live in. Fantastic. Well, I'm really, really glad that you're here. Um, I think this will be really focused for our for our educators that are enrolled into our Masters of Education program for educators and teachers and those that work in community as well. So I think the pandemic and its ongoing stresses and strains on people's mindset and their health and their well-being is um, it's going to have some long-term consequences. So I'd love for you to share, first of all, some of the some of the things that brought you to found the School of Inspired Life first, and then we'll get into the topic if that's okay. So One. tell us about your school. Yes. So I've been doing my work for 30 something years now, 33 years. I've started when I was 17 with workshops. It was mainly healing, working on people's um, sort of internal conflicts, finding their purpose. It's been my life. Then I became a psychotherapist in the middle of that to just kind of ground myself in whatever some other kind of methodologies and tools that are a little bit more mainstream and gotten out of system pretty early on when I was 25. I started working, I started practicing psychotherapy. It was very grim, very dark. I mean, this is what I lived kind of in a very dark world of trauma and all sorts of things, of course. And I was looking for new ways to do therapy. I'm very, I'm a futurist by nature. I love taking people beyond trauma and beyond whatever they've experienced. Just because I see that it's possible, I started thinking, what can we do that is not involving people talking about the pain all the time and their feelings? And I'm all into some of the tools I'm going to share today will be about validating your feelings, but really it doesn't need to take that long. So I've been uh, on that journey and uh, educating people, of course, and then I became, very naturally became a trainer of coaches, psychotherapists. So I work with a lot of sort of educators, uh, psychotherapists, coaches who had been really helping people on a big level, on the, on the mass scale and creating methodologies, starting their own academy, school certifications. And that's kind of where I'm at. And School of Inspired Life is just a container for all sorts of programs that I've created over the years. <laughs> and uh, so lots of lots of free tools for anybody who is looking for better skills, right? As a, as a sort of somebody who wants to help others. Fantastic. So um, the reason that I really reached out to you is that I've noticed from talking with educators around the world and really looking particularly where I am in New Zealand and looking at some of the challenges that families are facing challenges that young people are facing in some countries that that I deal with through the university and in here as well you know students have been disengaged from learning because they just don't engage with this medium they're disengaged because they don't have devices to be able to connect with their school on an ongoing basis they're disengaged because they don't have the support of an actual educational expert with them in their household to guide them through their learning they're disengaged because they haven't had the opportunity to build those strong peer relationships that you get from just being in a schooling environment, you know, five days a week. Usually there's a lot of disengagement, which leads to all sorts of other issues. And I think that it's not just an issue for now. It's a generational issue when we have 
children that haven't yet started school when they would normally have done that. So I'm really keen to hear your thoughts around that, what you've noticed and some tools and strategies that the students themselves could put in place and educators could adopt as well to help students reacclimatize to schooling and really deal with, I think, some of the trauma that they've faced over this last 24 or more months. So what yeah. are your thoughts on yeah, this is actually, I mean, I have five daughters myself, so of all ages, from 24 to 12. <laughs> and I know some of them are walking around and making noise right now as well. So it's like, you know, so I can see the difference, for example, between my older kids and my younger kids, because yes, totally time has changed in terms of like, yeah, they are on devices and they are kind of, that's where the world is and that's what they're involved in. And so I have my take on that, right? So in on the one hand, kids are losing touch with each other. And so it's huge importance mm. we as educators need to pay attention to the psychological state because this is what happens when you're alone and we, when you don't really know what other children, what your friends are feeling, right? We talked about this, uh, mm. you know, validating feelings it's like it's important for us to be empathic and we lose that touch if we are just by ourselves mm. we know what we're feeling but and it feels sometimes am i going crazy i'm a teenager i have all those insecurities i i worry about this mm. are they doing the same thing i don't know because that's not what we talk about right in of course if you're looking at older generation even the kids of older generation, they all, they talk about that. It's they are much more open about sharing what they experiencing, right? And teenage mm. years are already incredibly hard for you know for all of us to live through. And you know, unfortunately, because I'm very familiar with the statistics, right, that are happening, it's just sad, right? How many kids are depressed? Uh, I'm not even talking about anxious. I'm, I'm just talking depressed and. And often, I think it's in U.S., um, I'm in U.S. right now, um, it's 14% of kids had attempted suicide. That was before pandemic, before. One, so, one four, 14. One, four, yeah. So this is a, it's, it's like a big classroom of kids in, in average school, right? It's like imagine the whole kids, the, those are the kids that not just thought about it, but the ones who were registered, they, they got to hospital. They were hospitalized. It's 14%. Mm. That's a lot. That's a lot of kids. And, of course, teenagers mainly, right? So not just due to, uh, you know, the bullying culture and what's not. Also due to hormones and the, the sort mm. of very, very normal experiences all of us go through when we're growing up. So they need support they need education about what's normal and the better hmm. education than just the teacher i think i think teachers are could play amazing part there where they can talk about that but also getting kids in the groups and letting them sort of talk about that you know i am feeling this way too that that would be a, something i think needs to be become mainstream and of course, in the latest, you know, in this past two years, we are experiencing the extreme of that. Extreme disconnect from, you know, reality. Of course, what we know about, you know, I see my own girls, you know, 
they're not on Instagram. Too, I think they're too young officially to get there, right? But they would have if they could, right? <laughs> it's just like us policing them and trying not, you know, prevent them from. Yeah. But everything else is open. And what they're seeing is a, is a distorted picture of reality. Mm. They yep. think this is what I'm supposed to look like if I'm a girl. If I'm a boy, mm. this is what I'm supposed to do like, right? And it's mm. like, not really. It's like maybe some boys are, you know, making millions on YouTube uh, or on Twitch. And others are just like very, very normal. <laughs> and just, all, you know, and those people on Twitch, you see, also have a lot of insecurities and problems, right? Mm. So it's like just being more vocal and open about mental state of people, I think, and kids, I think is one of the things that could help because we are humans and we feel so much easier when we know that we are, we are not suffering alone. <laughs> and I know it's very mm. strange, but it's almost when you hear that, oh, he's also going through this. Mm. It actually helps. It helps, especially kids. So I think education is a huge part of that. And yeah, disconnect, it's, it's definitely mm. happening. Uh, my own, with my own kids, uh, we are all very sort of tech savvy in my household and I am witnessing my kids becoming more sort of virtual, living in a virtual reality, being very mm. fluent at that. I personally look at it and think it's completely ridiculous, <laughs> but at the same time, I let them do and experiment and uh, especially like program things, code things that so they all involve in all sorts of games that they can uh, play or some kind of social uh, projects that they could be doing online because it's going to be part of our future. And hmm. I think us letting them sort of experiment in a safe way with that being the parent who can or or giving them environment where talking about your feelings and all sorts of changes you're going through and relationship issues like often kids would have, giving them that support as well will create a better place than just either no devices, don't do it, like, you know, because that's not going to work. That's what I'm seeing because it, it's a personal dilemma as well as social, right? So outside of the pandemic and outside of lockdowns and outside of this this disconnection from interpersonal um, relationships, physical interpersonal relationships, um, kids have a tough time already, you know, and teachers could use that strategy of let's sit down and just talk about how we feel and understand that we're not alone. I think that things have been compressed, exacerbated, um, exponentially the the emotions and the strength of the, of them that young people have maybe particularly teenagers and people at different stages of their schooling or their development they've got it much harder because they are disconnected and they are trying to do this so as well as giving students the opportunity to sit down and talk and acknowledge we're not alone and your feelings actually that's what i'm feeling too what are some other strategies that educators or parents could put in place to help their kids come out of this and move back to the new normal? Yeah, the one of them I can see very clearly is being the role models. Because kids, they're not, they're not just hearing what you're saying, right? I think kind of 
trying to be very formal about this. Let me teach you how to connect. Let me teach you how to tell you about your feelings. I mean, that's kind of so artificial. And and kids, they, they feel that kind of like a, the patronizing tone <laughs> from afar and they don't like it, right? But would be much better strategy is to be the the role model for that. So if you... And it's very straight. If you are a woman uh, educator, then the girls who are looking at you, they are learning from how you are, not from what you're saying, mm. how you are. If you're a mom to your daughters, they are learning mm. your ways, which is great. They're copying you. So if you are open about your feelings, if you can show them, listen, I'm really annoyed right now. This is how I feel. Uh, or this is where I made mistake. This is where oh, I could have done better with this. This is all good stuff. They actually learning. Oh, it's good. To, it's okay to to admit to your mistakes. It's it's okay to apologize. It's okay to uh, to cry. It's okay to be angry. Because look at my mom. She's doing it right. Or oh, look at this teacher. She is really voicing it right. If you are a man, you your sons are looking at you. There's no doubt. They again, not what you say, but how you are. They are and for men, it's very very important for fathers to not just give the kids permission to to reach for the stars and be the best and have ambition which is like absolutely a must but it's also important to show them that you know it takes work it might not happen you know from this first time this is how i failed this is how i tried this is how long it took it helps this is like some of the strategies that are very tactical they, they just work because this is how kids really learn they're not like what would you say you to give them bullet points they're like whatever <laughs> right but if they see that you being a human in, in front of them that's very different that this is when it's mm. fixed they're like oh mm. um, I, th this is normal look, look at this uh, and i'm even hearing from my kids i'm i live in hawaii so, and I've traveled the world. I've lived in many different countries. My kids experienced all sorts of different education. Uh, you know, I lived in England, in France, in uh, both coasts of U.S. And, you know, so I'm seeing the difference. I'm seeing, for example, how in Hawaii, uh, it's less formal for teachers. And my kids, are, they just love that. They just love when they're hearing how teachers can just be human. I think it just mm. makes a difference comparing to this very sort of, um, you know, we're playing by the rules and, and you know, <laughs> kids are typically allergic to it, especially teenagers. You know, they, they are questioning authority. So you want to be the, the, the authority they would actually appreciate naturally because it's just because you're actually charismatic, because you really got something for them that is valuable you know so there's a lot of tricks you know so that's one of them and another one you know obviously i mean i'm not the only one who's saying it it's teaching people the actual real practical skills to survive this like ju just i mean what do teenagers really worry about like dating for example <laughs> why in our schools we, we, we don't talk about this how do you have relationships how do you have your first date how do you like what do you say like why we're not educating kids while we're educating them on all sorts of horror stories of how to protect prevent pregnancies and yeah but but you know what about the good stuff because we need good examples 
right? Because often they don't have them. Because we we all humans, right? Often families are, you know, it's, it's a modern families that our kids are growing up in. So they see the reality and they need they they need sort of that fun education that they are interested in. Because if you're asking any girls and boys, the teenagers, what are they really trying to do there besides ambition and trying to, to achieve something? They're really competing and for attention and they trying to have relationships and they're trying to be attractive to each other and all of that stuff. It's happening. And I think if we wave in, you know, that, which is the huge part of connection and, and getting out of that isolation, getting out of that disconnect, because now school provides you with this information and those kind of interesting real life skills, kids going to be leaning in. They will be happy to learn now at school instead of, from their peers, which is not always the right, or, or, you know, or whatever other resources we know that are out there, right? So, yeah, I think one of the issues that's going to be it's very challenging, it's challenging in New Zealand, and there's been a long term study called the Dunedin study, and it's, um, it's been going since the 1970s, if I'm not mistaken, and it's tracked thousands of people over the period of their life. And the, the key differentiating factor for success or not, financial stability or not, imprisonment or not, um, cohesion in their family or not, is emotional self-regulation. Seen Oof. in a child, seen as a teenager and seen as adult, someone who control their emotions, who knows how to take turns, who knows how to manage anger and upset. Mm -hmm. So emotional self-regulation. And I would imagine that young people, children, teenagers, even adults who may have been in lockdown or in isolation for up to, you know, 24 months or in and out of it, missed out on the opportunities we have in normal life to practice emotional self-regulation. They're going to be thrown back into school, thrown back into work, thrown back into community and not have practiced that for some time. There's going to be some challenges. So what would you say might be some strategies or some tools or some tricks that individuals, whether they're children, whether they're teachers, whether they're adults, that they could put into practice when they feel themselves becoming overwhelmed, feel themselves ready to explode, feeling themselves getting impatient or, you know, worked up, that sense of overwhelm, what could they yeah. do to handle? Yeah, I love this question. So, yeah, I see definitely social anxiety as something that's going to be now suddenly relevant to everybody, even though maybe before that you didn't have it, you were maybe very sort of flexible, adaptive person. And then suddenly now, because of being alone so long, social anxiety comes up, right? So dealing with anxiety is always about re reassuring yourself about your skill set. It's almost, uh, and this is the trick we can all use on ourselves or to teach our kids or help our kids out there, is to say, listen, this is why I can be confident. So it's not about faking confidence because that's a very hard thing to do. And typically people get even more tense because of all that pressure. Now I, I also have to look good and, and confident. <laughs> no, let's like softer way to do that is to, I would say, count your blessings. Like, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. So if you're an adult, 
adults having huge social anxiety right now when they are maybe trying to reinvent themselves, try to get a new job or something like that, right? Be uh, or come back to the business, right? If that's been kind of on the back burner, like whatever is happening there, it's always good to remind yourself, why are you so good at this in the first place? Just start even... Like I've done a lot of workshops for people who had been laid off jobs. And one of the first thing I say, you have to remind yourself what you've got there. <laughs> because when you are in your situation, your own despair by yourself sitting, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. This is horrible. I can't do it. Who? No, nobody wants me. Like whatever, whatever. But actually, well, if you start saying, well, I've got this. I've done that. I overcame this. I've achieved that. Like those are very practical, real things. And the more real you are, the more confident you're going to become. So instead of trying to fake or, or affirmations, I'm good, I'm good, like I'm good, I'm the best. That's not going to, it's just not something that you will believe in. You need to really, truly give yourself real things. Like those are the real things I've done. However small they are. Like, I got out of bed today. I, I felt miserable, but look at me. I, I got dressed and I'm smiling. That's already, okay, give yourself tick in a box, tick in a box. The more you're doing that, the more confident you become. Now, depression is a different thing. Depression is when we've been anxious for so long. Like, it's been so stressful that at some point our body just gives up. We just can't do it anymore. So we just collapse much harder. So for anybody who is experiencing that kind of loss of motivation and they feel like I, I don't even care anymore. And, and like I am, it's so on one hand on a you know, bigger picture is you certainly need support and support meaning other people, obviously, like that's the obvious thing you need to do. But of course, people who are experiencing that kind of feelings, which is like, I'm, I'm really down. I don't even care they find it really, really difficult to actually like reach out and say, hey, friends out there, like, let's connect, let's talk on the phone. Because they don't, it's in your brain, in your head, you you just can't take it anymore. You, you, you don't want even to deal, it's too much energy. So one of the first things you need to do, anybody you know who is suffering with that, and you can help them. Obviously, we're not talking about clinical depression and all of that stuff. I'm talking about just the sort of normal reaction to what's happening. You need to take care of your health first. So even though it sounds like it's all psychology, our physical body can be so exhausted that we first have to attend to that. So one of the simplest and fastest ways to get yourself, start getting yourself out of this is exercise. So I know it's like so simple, but you need to start moving. So if you can't connect with people yet, that's okay. It's all right. So just like not my fault. I'm just not in that place yet. <laughs> just I'm going to just start moving. So if you just gotten out of your couch or wherever you are and just started, I'll go for a walk just by myself, put my earphones like I'm not hearing, I'm not connecting i'm just walking and start moving your hands start moving your body like like just start doing some kind of things that are physically making giving you more energy obviously good food you know stopping any addictions all of that stuff 
is important. It's like a next thing, next level. But moving is the first thing. And then from there, slowly but surely connecting with people. Because really, if, if there is this sort of loss of energy, loss of interest in life, loss of motivation, you can very quickly recharge if you are around people who are positive, who are uplifting, who manage themselves to somehow hold themselves up. There's lots of people out there who are not down, who are just like, you know, holding on. <laughs> so find them and just get sort of be embraced in the energy and just help yourself with this way. Just use it very strategically. Okay, I know this very positive, you know, person out there and I'm just going to go and I'm going to sit in the energy and just get sort of you know infected by that <laughs> in a good way and i think that's i think that's really good about the social maybe re-establishing a social network and particularly for people who are older um mm -hmm. identifying who are the people that are best to reintegrate once again into your life and who are the be the people that maybe you can limit their access to your life because maybe they're not, as you say, they're not someone that you can sit with and actually take in some of their positive vibe and their positive energy, but actually they're a drainer. And at this time right now, we need to have positive people. So I have noted that down. That's that's a good point. Physical exercise, um, making a list if you find that your mindset is is struggling with the social anxiety or the motivation, identifying the list of things that are positive about oneself. I think that's that's quite value, quite valuable. Just as we wrap up, Lyra, what's one what's one thing you would say? And you've been encouraging people from the different walks of life that you work with. What's one thing that you would say we need to be aware of to make sure we're practicing and building into our lives as a practice as we move back into this new normal? I would say be open to reinventing yourself because nice. yeah because you know i'm working like i said all walks of life but with a lot of celebrities with a lot of people who are on public and it doesn't matter same problems honestly right same traumas same mm. stuff same addictions and there is one that i find we all have to deal with doesn't matter where we are at is that kind of, I call it attachment or addiction, if you want, let's say, call it attachment to your own identity. It's like, that's, I am this way. Like, I am anxious person. Like, I am, or I am a serious person. Or I am fun person. And if there's no fun, then that's it. Like, I'm throwing it out. You, you need to be able to be flexible about who you are. And I think this time is us calling us to re- inventing ourselves and just be brave it, it's it's very fun a sort of process actually if you go into it if you allow yourself to to be different and mm. not perceive yourself as something that is already done already formed and shaped and that's mm. it but be more like th there is a space for me to grow i always say it doesn't matter how cool you are we can all be humble we have space to grow and grow, meaning that you don't have to become some sort of superstar. You just can be different. Mm. And if so that's what I would say. One thing, if I had to really summarize, be open to a change, to changing mm. your identity. 
don't be so nice. attached to this. I am this person. <laughs> Lovely. I really like that for someone who's had multiple careers and uh, lived in multiple countries. This is um, that's really great. You can see this as an opportunity to re reinvent ourselves. Um, for those of you watching the recording, whether you're an educator or you're from the military or you're from one of our other programs, wherever you are in the world, in the show notes with this interview on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitch, on Twitter, wherever you, seeing, you are seeing this in the notes, we've got the LinkedIn profile link to Lyra. And so you can jump on and connect with her directly there. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to add in your... Um, School of Inspired Life as well. I'll add in the link to your school there as well. So thank you so much for giving us your time and being with us. Thank you so much. That was a pleasure. Please wait for just a moment, uh, just as I wrap up and everybody else. Um, if you are someone who is from the military or an emergency manager, as you know, and if you're an educator, maybe you're from Cambodia, where we have one of our schools in Nepal, wherever you are in the world, um, you come with a range of talents and experiences and skills in your background. And often people don't acknowledge that, and particularly traditional universities don't acknowledge your life experience, your industry experience, or the skills and talents that you have. It's one of the things that makes us different is that UARD, our university, was set up to acknowledge and to actually give review and to give credit for all of the experiences that make up who you are. So if you're interested in gaining a bachelor degree or a master's degree, and particularly if you're in America and you're a veteran or active service personnel or their family, we are approved by the US government for funding through the VA. And so we'd love you to reach out and learn how you can achieve a bachelor degree or a master's degree faster and then cheaper as well. So you can move on with your goals as you reinvent yourself, as Lyra says, in this new opportunity. So thanks for being with us. Look forward to seeing you again on the next episode.